Before we start this episode, I just wanted to give some quick context on it. It was recorded before episodes two and three, and it was in the midst of us changing our studio around. Um, We moved it to another room that sounded much better than the room it was previously in. We had recorded about six or seven episodes, released those to iTunes, and the morning of releasing those saw there was another podcast with the exact same name as us, and so we kind of had to scramble and figure out what we were going to do from there on out. That is what you are going to hear the episode begin with, and I just wanted to try to uh, help with any confusion. Hopefully this will put it into context. All right, here we are at another episode of Calculate. No, that's not it. That's uh, not the name. A somebody stole it. Here we are with another episode of <laughs> a podcast. There we go. <sighs> so tell us about the soul. Like, why, why is it no longer Calculated Chaos? Well, so when this episode's released, I, we, I don't know if it'll be one of the first ones later, but right now we're in the middle of rebranding. Usually people will wait to rebrand. Where are we rebranding right now? <laughs> well, back in November or it was before it was that, October. I think. It was October. It was like October. Yeah. Um, we started talking about doing the podcast last summer. Right. Didn't have a name originally, Jiu-Jitsu EDU. Um, sounded good to me at first. And then the more people I bounced it off of, the more I realized it, it wasn't great and kind of boring and confusing. So I went back to the drawing board and I came up with Calculated Chaos, which I liked. And then I went online and I searched everywhere. I couldn't find anything that was Calculated Chaos. So I was thrilled because I liked it and no one else was using it. So I talked to an artist, put some stuff together, made a website, Instagram, Instagram, (laughs) email, everything was set up and ready. Then we recorded episodes, did it for a, a month or two, and then just early January, after posting everything to five different platforms, I hopped on um, the next morning, and I thought, I'm going to check and see if iTunes has calculated chaos on. Probably not yet. Boom, put it in, and our podcast isn't there, but there's another podcast they started in like late November called Calculated Chaos and it had to do with interviewing entrepreneurs and MMA. Bastards. Fucking bastards. My heart <laughs> dropped. I, I had like a like moment of panic where I was texting you yep. and just saying I couldn't believe it. I It was all set and ready to go. All this work done. All, now all, all I have to do is edit episodes and now this guy who came up with the idea on his own there's nothing against the guy i mean it's a good idea it was our idea idea. (laughs) our idea and his idea and i mean he has a a bit moji for his logo which i guess you could do that but i could make that in 10 10 seconds we had an artist draw ours yeah guy do ours (laughs) his is a bit moji skydiving he, he just, Again, I, yeah. The guy, the guy did nothing wrong. 
I was just so mad that my idea went to shit. And so now I'm in the midst of trying to come up with a new idea and it'll come eventually. Um, maybe I think what I'll do is I'll book a trip to South American rainforest and do just some heavy, (laughs) some heavy psychedelics and maybe communicate with the spirit world and see if I can find a good time. I'll tell you, Andrew, you're calculated. I, Calculated Chaos was a great name. You screwed up. You'll never come up with another one. Nope. That, that'll be the message. Yeah. Just name it Calculated Chaos 2. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's that's where I am right now in this. But when one door closes, another opens. So, even though we don't have a name right now, we have a brand new podcasting studio that we we're do. in. That's absolutely correct. I, I, I knew of some extra space. Um... And I talked to a guy and made it work. We went from my dining room to my guest bedroom. Yeah. And it looks like a crazy person's room. <laughs> Do you want to explain what, what um, we're surrounded by? Well, I, I was introduced to the room in the following manner. He said, Do you want to see the studio? Opens the door. And the first thing I see is probably two thirds of the room is blocked off by. Mm-hmm. The box spring and the mattress yep. to his was it queen sized queen sized guest bed. Um, I think it's uh whatever's underneath queen full full, full. yeah. So full and then basically he used the box spring and the mattress to close off two thirds off the room. Mm-hmm. And then he has uh, some couch cushions yes propped up on the rest of the furniture. Uh, he's got. A towel on the door. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> on purpose or not. Uh, it, it is. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I, I was really desperate. I was running out of soft material in my house. And he's got a what looks like a, a, a yoga pad yoga mat. Yeah. mat. yeah. Nailed to the wall. I'm actually impressed. He nailed a yoga mat to Thanks. the wall. Pretty handy. And then there's like this weird random <laughs> like couch pillow. It looks like a weird altar of cushions. It there does. Are... We need to take a picture of this, and, and whenever this episode gets released, we need to like, you know, post this. Post with a, I don't yeah. know. I feel, if <laughs> if we ever had any type of um, curtain of professionalism, this will tear this, it down. But you know what? We never did. Yeah. I mean, come on now. <laughs> That's true. I, I took every single uh, rug in my house. I will tell you that the current rug that i'm stepping on oh, this is being your bathroom right comfortable right it is the most comfortable i i would buy this off of you used if i if you'd let me oh it's heavily soiled i, I don't really care it's okay. so i can rub my feet on it all day yeah you ever seen um uh, get him to the greek yeah when he's stroking the furry wall i don't remember that part i'm perfectly sober in the movie the the character gets high on everything under the sun right and then he he rubs the wall and there's a carpeted wall and he writes a whole song about stroking the furry wall i i like i said i'm completely sober right now but just rubbing my feet on this marvelous comfortable rug i i can see why he wrote a song well you're not a musician so you can't write a song and sing one but we do have a podcast here and so we could do a whole episode on the rug if you want no are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. I mean... It's a horrible idea. We were going to do it on Carlos Gracie, but the rug is also nah. foundational to this no, podcast. I, th- I think we should just go with Carlos. All right, we'll do Carlos. Well, well, that's 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 a good transition to um, rug. It's, then a, it's a recovery. Carlos Gracie, a recovery, yep. Yeah. Um, we, I, we were talking about different things to do for the podcast, and 
kind of like the idea of maybe every few episodes, because we are doing this to talk about concepts, techniques, we also wanted to talk about culture and history. So maybe every few episodes we'll talk about historical figures and who else to, I mean, who else is as influential or as important to the beginning of the sport as Carlos. We had Elio and Carlos. Mm -hmm. I feel like Elio will do, but kind of like that's too easy to do right off the bat. Well, everybody talks about my grandfather, right? So, um, you know, it's hard to think jujitsu without Elio. And everybody kind of mentions Carlos as kind of like secondary. And Mm -hmm. I think that's poorly done um, on on most people's parts. Um, It's Carlos is a... Carlos is an interesting figure. Um, and before we get into the nitty gritty, you know, life history about him, you know, in my family, there is everybody's a Gracie and everybody trains and everybody's cool. Well, I'm cool with everybody. You know, I have family members that maybe, you know, have have had issues in the past with with each other. It's a big family. It's going to happen. But um, what I've what I've noticed is there's a, a split between the Carlos and the Ilio side, right? So Ilio Gracie, um, in in popular, you know, day-to-day jiu-jitsu schools, is accredited for creating jiu-jitsu. The more old school, more the Carlos side of the family linked schools claim that, no, 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 Carlos created jiu-jitsu, right? And I think that the reality is neither of those statements are true. I think um I think that Carlos Carlos was Carlos and and Elio together created jiu-jitsu. That's the way I look at it because Carlos was the 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 water to my grandfather's fire. You know, my whenever we do an episode about my grandfather, we'll get into more details about his life. But he was essentially you know, he was a small guy who was frail, who wanted to be tough and, and rough and prove that he was just as, you know, tough as any other guy around. And then you had Carlos, who just believed that he was, right? So my grandfather was the forceful guy. He was like, let's go out there and prove it, you know? Let's send our kids, our grandkids, everybody, go out there and prove it. And Carlos is like, they'll come to us. Mm-hmm. We got it. You know, so I think if it had been just my grandfather, jujitsu, the, the jujitsu guys would have looked at it as thugs. Right. But I think without, um, and then Carlos, if it had been just Carlos, I don't think it would have been as popular. It would have taken longer to become popular, right? I think the combination of the two, where Ilya was like, let's go out there and just beat it into them. We can do this. You know, we are the best martial art. Carlos is like, it doesn't all have to be about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think together, the pair of them, their personalities complemented each other very well. So just, just to get that started. Yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, I don't think that either side necessarily created on their own. I think together, the combination of personalities, of minds, um, is what kind of shaped Jiu-Jitsu into what it is today. Well, it's funny also because when I tr- started researching it's a lot harder to find information on Carlos than it is your grandpa. Correct. Um, I I had to go through a lot of stuff because, I mean, there's some good... Wikipedia had information, BJJ... Um, is it Heroes? B- BJJ Legends? Heroes, um, I think. Heroes, heroes, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
they had a lot of good information. And then after that, there's a drop off and you have to get a lot of the information I had to get was interviews with other people right. where they would then just kind of mention Carlos right. in that interview. I was shocked with the lack of primary mm-hmm. sources just all around Carlos. Right. So, yeah, it, it was a little tougher to get information mm-hmm. on him. But when I w- got that information, boy, was it interesting. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Complex guy. Uh, yeah. Not the standard martial artist that you might think of. Not Definitely not a cookie cutter type of guy. No, not at all. No. Maybe we can start off with just kind of going um, chronologically through yeah. through his life. So, um, and again, forgive me if dates are off a couple of years here and there. Um, I might I'll, have your back for some of these because I did okay. I did take some notes. Cause okay. Again, remember, we're professional here. We are, <laughs> we are talking about important things in a tiny bedroom surrounded by mattresses, <laughs> towels, and yoga mats. So I, I believe Carlos was born in 1902. I'm not quite sure of the birthday, but um, I know it was, it was 1902. Um, uh, on my phone, I, I actually have his birthday on my phone. So I could look in the calendar and found his birthday, but I, it was 1902. Um, born in like the far, like far Northern Brazil, correct, right? In, in Pará. Yeah. Um, what kind of city is that? Is it a larger city? Um, actually Pará is a state. Um, the city is Belém. Uh, I believe that's the city he was born in. I could be mistaken on the city, but um, he was born there. You know, he was born to to his father Gaston Gracie, who was who was my great grandfather, um, and and you know led a pretty normal childhood, um, as far as I know. And again, a lot of my my knowledge of Carlos has been stories through stories of cousins, older cousins, uncles, my my mom, my you know, my grandfather even, right? So um, everything I kind of know from Carlos has been passed on as a story, so to speak, right? Everything I know through him has been through my research and he and I were friends growing up. So, oh. so that, that's also you what I'm trying to really well. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> man, I told you, you look like, you know, you know, when I look, when I'm 50, you're going to look even better. That's right. <laughs> he was, he um, was uh, like your grandpa also kind of a small Yes. Guy too, right? Yeah. He he was not a very large guy. Um he I think he might have been maybe a little bit taller. Um he was definitely in better shape. My my grandfather was uh and I, by shape I mean like health health wise. My my grandfather had fainting spells and things of the sort. Uh, Carlos never had those issues to my to my knowledge. Um Carlos was somebody who um again to my understanding was somebody with a very strong character. You know, he, he had certain beliefs that he kind of le- lived life by. They became much more defined as he aged. He was better able to describe them, pass them on. Um, and he eventually wrote them down as the 12 commandments of jiu-jitsu, which we can talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, he, he, like I said, as far as I know, he led a pretty, pretty normal childhood, you know, through his teenage years. I believe he was 15 or 16 when he got exposed to Count Coma through his father, right? So his father was trying to help Count Coma through some immigration issues and through finding some jobs and some things like that. And sort of the trade-off was that Count Coma would teach Carlos how to control his behavior, you know? And the story behind 
your great-grandfather having a relationship with Count Coma is interesting, too. Oh, yeah. That's a whole different... He, your great-grandfather had a... His name was Gaston. 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 Yes. Gaston. Gaston. Close enough. Close? Close enough. I'm going to get that sound one of these days. (laughs) Uh, He had a circus. Correct. And he had, um, would it be like wrestlers or fights, like spectacle fighting? and Show show, show fights. Show fights, that's the word. Yeah. And he had Count Coma come in Mm -hmm. and he was one of the guys who would fight these big individuals right. was, would he mainly fight wrestlers he well at first it was mostly like grapplers right um i don't know that wrestling had gotten to brazil at that point um but yeah no no gaston grace was very influential at the time very successful businessman with the circus with other other he had several smaller businesses as well um and and with that he had a lot of connections um so yes he was able to secure count coma's stay as long as Kankoma kind of, you know, performed. I imagine all of their meetings and interactions were similar to the movie The Greatest Showman. Your <laughs> great-grandpa being the Hugh Jackman you know, character. I have not seen that what? show, but I have seen the trailer for it. I want to see it. I know I might watch it tonight with Taylor. Um, it's, it's it's okay. It It's not great, but... Um, I have to watch it now. You have to watch it, yeah. I mean, you brought this up. I'm going to feel like an idiot now. And the whole time you watch it, imagine... Gaston Gracie uh-huh. as Hugh Jackman, <laughs> All right. and imagine let's say yeah, Count Coma as the bearded lady. Okay. And your grandpa <laughs> or your uh, great, uh, your uncle, yeah, uh, great uncle Carlos yeah. as well. Who would he be in this? Maybe um, Zendaya's character, the okay. the trapeze artist. All right, I will keep that in mind. <laughs> Okay. So now that we've gotten past this very colorful description. Yep. Um, no, yeah. So, so you know, Count Coma would perform. He'd make money. Business would go on. But he would also then teach, you know, jujitsu, his judo. Let me rephrase that. Japanese jujitsu or judo to Carlos Gracie. And I believe they trained together for eight, eight to 12 years, roughly. I think he was 26 or 27 when he moved um, when he decided to open his own school, right? So he tried opening his school in Sao Paulo at first. And um, to my understanding, it didn't pan out too well. I'm, I'm not sure if it was location competition, if it was, um, you know, just lack of opportunities. I'm, I'm not 100% positive on that. Um, eventually, they ended up in, in, in Rio. Mm-hmm. And that's where he opened the official Gracie Academy. And... Um, Carlos started teaching, you know, his, he started teaching Japanese jiu-jitsu under the name of Gracie jiu-jitsu. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily spelled out in the sign at Gracie jiu-jitsu. It might have just been jiu-jitsu, um, for, for a few years. And, um, to my understanding, Carlos was a very big fan of very small classes, very semi-private to private classes. Um... Not quite sure why that is. Um, I think one, it created a, a sense of um, el- elitism, you know, where like it feels privileged to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if if that was the reasoning behind it. I don't know if it was size, a greater attention on sure. a personal level. Sure, it could also have been just this, the school that they rented, the, the place that they rented, might have been just too small. True. Right? I, I don't know. 
but um, that went on for a few years. Um, At this point, had he done any training? Because I had read that he worked with like police forces doing yeah. self defense. Yeah, and I think he was. I think he went as soon as he opened his school. Um, Carlos was very, uh, very charismatic guy. I don't know if charismatic is the right word. Um, he had this magnanimous, magnanimous. That's a good word. Yeah. He was able to like really get people to believe in him and to kind of follow, you know, his belief systems and his things. So it wouldn't surprise me that very early on after opening the, the academy that he would be able to like get his foot in the door with the police force and things like that and, and become an influence through those departments and through those um, those means. Um, Do you know if he he had any connections through your great grandfather? I'm sure. I'm sure they carried. You know, yeah. I don't know how how much it carried, but I'm sure it, it opened doors. It couldn't hurt anything. I mean, think about it. Even here in America, right? Um, even 70s, 80s, even early 90s, if you knew somebody who knew somebody, that opened a lot of doors. Mm. You know, not as much these days, but. You know, still helps. Still helps, but right. you know, back fifty years ago, it was huge. You know, much more so, almost a hundred years ago now, right? That would have been even more, more important. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know that Carlos, um, you know, as he went through his life, he had he had one professional fight, um, and after that fight, he kind of retired from fighting. And he would put his brothers to fight. And, and he was the oldest brother. Um, you got to keep in mind, like, Brazilian culture, right? So, like, the firstborn son is usually the heir to the family, whatever, dynasty. Mm. So, Carlos being the oldest was very, very much so the patriarch of the family. So, once he once he, he was done fighting professionally, it, it made sense to put his brothers to fight, right? And, you know, he, his brothers fought for a while. I think his brothers all did really, really well. Um, eventually, he put um, my grandfather, Elio, to fight, and he became kind of like the, the, the champion of the family for a while. Carlos was the oldest child. Carlos was the Elio was the youngest, youngest son. Correct, right? the youngest son, yes. Yeah. So once my grandfather started fighting became like like I said quote unquote the champion of the style of the family of the approach Carlos became much more um, I don't know if visionary is the right word um, he became did he become the guy who did he like to be the behind the scenes person I, I don't know necessarily behind the scenes I mean he was not a loud guy to my understanding you know um, but I, I think I think um, I often think of, you know, think of like American military, right? You have the five-star brigadier generals, right? Those guys have seen combat. They know combat strategies. They're well-versed in just about any sort of military anything. But they're not the guys out there fighting, <laughs> mm. right? They're the guys that say, you know what, we're going to take this base over here because in six months that base is going to be important, mm -hmm. right? And I think that was the role that Carlos Gracie took, right? He, yeah. Do you, do, is he kind of the role of like a coach where I don't know what his abilities were with like fighting. If maybe he didn't even like it, maybe he was like a coach where he goes, listen, right. my specialty isn't in the, the in actual, the, the actually right? the, the action of this, 
but I understand it very well and I understand concepts. So I'll sit back and help guide everyone maybe, else. Maybe, you know, I know that I actually asked a family member, I won't mention names. I don't want to incriminate anybody. Um, I asked a family member once, um, how good was Carlos? Okay. And I asked not to be, not to compare and not to point just out of sheer curiosity. And they said that, uh, that he used to be known as like the white lightning <laughs> because he was a blonde white dude who was very fast. Now, how fast is very fast? I don't know. I mean, if the guys that they were fighting had never been exposed to jiu-jitsu, you know, he could have been moving through molasses and still be super fast. Right. Mm -hmm. My, I think the reality is he was probably a small guy kind of like you with, you know, very fast moving, you know, uh, fast twitch muscles and stuff. Will you start um, calling me the white lightning? No. Okay. I'm sorry, Andrew. All right, well, fine. <laughs> I'm just going to name the podcast The White Lighting. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm not, not down for that. <laughs> um, so anyways, the the idea was Carlo, Carlos, um, as far as like hands-on teaching and training, I know he obviously collaborated with my grandfather quite a bit, you know. Um, I do know the majority of the Gracies out there were at least hands-on taught by my grandfather. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure that it was 100% hands-on my grandfather, but the vast majority of it was, of it was especially the, the first few generations. Um, not to say that Carlos was not an influence in the mental side of things, because he could be a guy who sits down with you at dinner and says, hey, turns out that if you try, you know, you know, any sort of elbow lock or shoulder lock or, or wrist lock, any sort of joint lock really from, from top mount, Mm -hmm. you have a very high percentage of going to the ground to the bottom versus if you try a choke from the top, you may not. Right. So he may have been a guy who's got these great concepts in his right. mind. And maybe that was what, that was his contribution to the future generations. I'm not sure. Also a good understanding of what a, uh, a good martial artist off the mat would be. Cause you kind of, whenever, when I read through the 12 commandments, commandments right it's all about character yes. and that it sounds like a spiritual guru almost. Correct. Which is where I was going to get to. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, to my understanding, when my grandfather took over the fighting and the hands-on training and teaching and, and passing on, um, Carlos became the visionary, right? He would say, I want to see Gracie Jiu-Jitsu spread the world, right? Elio, go make that happen. Here's how I think it should happen. And my grandfather would go out and carry out the order, right? Or he would say, hey, you know, this style of fighting is creating, getting popular in Brazil. Maybe we should challenge them. That way we can steal their their thunder, so to speak. And then my grandfather would go out and issue the challenge. And I think he became the guy that looked at the big, big picture. Um, and, and he would see where he wanted to go and how he wanted to get there. And he basically ins instructed my grandfather to carry out the command. And my grandfather was then like a very loyal, um, you know, my, my grandfather idolized his brother and, and he would go out there and do it. You know, Carlos would say how jump and my grandfather would say how high, you know, um, and it worked because I think without Carlos, my grandfather would have, you know, would have taken the, the, the most forceful approach to everything. And Carlos was more strategic. And I think together they had a fire that they, they had, you know, essentially a drive to get something done. 
but the patience to do it right. Mm-hmm. So they had some direction to that fire. They, yeah. they became a flamethrower. Oh, look at you. Yeah. This was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> it's better than my uh, greatest showman. Absolutely, analogy. absolutely. It couldn't be worse, but yes. <laughs> oh fuck you. <laughs> um, no, so Carlos, um, you know, he he started becoming an influencer um, of sorts, and and growing up, I was, you know, a lot of the descriptions I got from Carlos when I was a young kid was that he was like a shaman, right? And I never knew, quite knew how much until I got older and I asked more questions and you know, what exactly does that mean? And that's when we get into some of the fun, very interesting, very, uh, very different stories about Carlos, right? Areas that you don't expect to go when talking about the founder of a martial art. As I, as I was researching, (laughs) I kind of knew about that area that he went into, but as I was reading about him, I went on so many different rabbit holes because they would mention, (laughs) Oh, he was, he studied this and under this person and I kept clicking the hyperlink and then I'd read about this philosophy that he was into or right. people that he was So what did you by. find? Uh, one of the things was, I think it was theosophy. Okay. Um, which, what is that? Uh, don't make me explain it. It was... Oh no, I, I want you to explain. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it sounded like it started out, I think it was the late 1800s, early 1900s and it was about almost like a non-sectarian um kind of like a, a view of the world that was almost i don't know if sec- secular would be the word because there may have been some type of mysticism to it but it was about um trying to find truth and respecting humanity uh individuals and not basing it on the color mm-hmm. of their skin right. and a lot of really good um things that I, as i was reading i'm like oh, i could get behind this um and then it, it's had some different variations throughout the years, but it sounded like he got into that. It sounded like he studied. Um, uh, we, we won't get into the diet stuff yet. No, but yet. Uh, he also, I found some references to, became a bit of a spiritual leader. Yeah. It maybe would be the term to some wealthy and successful individuals, right. where he would like call on spirits yep. and he could communicate, he would, he would say that he'd communicate with them. Right. And this helped fund a lot of his, yeah. um, a lot of his different business ventures and mm-hmm. jujitsu. So yes, yeah, so that's where the mysticism comes in, mm-hmm. right? With Carlos Gracie. Um, I personally don't know. I mean, let me rephrase this. I, I'm, I'm not sure that there are spirits to be communicated Mm -hmm. with. And so, you know, when I hear stories about my family, about how he he used to speak to spirits for people or be a medium for people or, you know, a shaman or, you know, a spiritual advisor, I I, I don't know how much I personally believe that because I don't know that I believe in spirits. Right. Right. So uh, from hearing more and more through my family member and keeping my very skeptical side you know, sharp and removing all the romanticism of the shaman, of the mysticism, of the medium. Mm -hmm. To my understanding, Carlos was somebody who could talk to people and he could help people um, work through problems and work through 
difficult decisions and difficult choices. And and we all have friends like that, you know, we, we consider them mentors, you know, or, or somebody we can talk to, they're good listeners that they kind of look as they help us see things from a different perspective. He just happened to be able to do it for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And he happened to be able to be so efficient that he could not only help them with personal problems or personal decisions or, you know, things like that, but he could help them make bigger decisions, mm-hmm. business-wide decisions, you know, uh, entrepreneur decisions, you know, like, hey, let's go into this venture. Let's see what happens. Of course, not as simply as that. He, you know, and I think that's where the idea of I'm communicating with a spirit may have been romanticized, right? I have this idea. It came from nowhere. If I say something like that, it doesn't sound nearly as cool as if I said, hey, I talked to this ghost, bro. Right. And this ghost said we should invest all of our savings on this one stock because it's going to it's going to blow up. Right. You know, he could have also been a very intelligent guy who could predict, you know, market trends, economy trends, business trends and, and, and you know, and take advantage of those. He himself may have not had the means to take advantage of them, but he was very well connected. And he knew if he framed it that way. Right. Especially, again, you got to keep in mind, this is back in the 1900s, right? Like 1930s at this point, 1930s, 35, 40. You know. You read your audience. If you have someone in there that know that you know is receptive to receptive it. Receptive to uh, right. spiritual, supernatural right. things. Right. I mean, then. hell, it still happens today. I mean, there's still like psychic shops open today. You see mediums all over the yeah. place on TV sometimes. Right. Hell, there's mediums that help police forces solve cases. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's so <laughs> embarrassing, but yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, it happens today. Imagine, you know, 80 years ago, Yeah. you know. Should we get one for the gym? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could I be? You could the be. The, 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 the Miss Cleo. Do you remember Miss Cleo Ms. from the Cleo, early? Yeah. <laughs> Call me now for your free tarot card yes. reading. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. You could be, if you keep that voice, you could. I could. I could do that. I could get behind that. Yeah, people might get mad if I if I use that <laughs> accent. <laughs> no, so so again, I don't know that you know I don't like to think from everything I've heard. I've never heard a negative thing about Carlos, so I would never like to. I would never want to think of him as like conning people. I don't think that that was ever the nature. I think he may have seen an opportunity to invest and make money. He himself may have not had the means to pull that off. So if you could convince somebody to do it and say, hey, if it works out, we can split the benefit, right? And, and I think that that could have happened quite a bit, um, which is not unusual, you know? I mean, companies nowadays pay for advisors or market strategies, strategists and things like that. So um, that could have been all it was. Um, again, that's because I'm a skeptic and I don't believe in, in spirits and ghosts and things like that. And when you're so far removed from that, it's hard to know what the intentions were at the time and what exactly was being said. Yeah, I've had conversations with with um, some of my family members that are older, older than me, previous generations than I am, and some of them that were around to see that happen have laughed at it, you know, and said, "Oh yeah, he, you know, he said he saw this spirit and told told this guy to go invest in this thing, and and sometimes it would backfire." Right. And other mm-hmm. times it would be this huge win, financial win. And these guys would soak up to that because if he had a win, right, 
this guy must he must be legit yeah he must have some sort of secret in to figuring these things out and these people became very um very happy to to help him with his business ventures whether it's funding schools uh advertisement you know advertising countrywide you know gracie jiu-jitsu and and connections with other people you know because maybe they help a guy a big wig in some company make some money now that guy is going to talk to his friends who may also be influential you know so um maybe that's all that happened mm-hmm. you know but but the family members i've talked to the on the topic have said that yes it was of course for again for the, the ones i talked to were also are also very skeptic and they believe it was just a way in to create to become an influencer mm-hmm. did he ever try to incorporate any type of spiritual um notions into jujitsu or were they always separate you know I don't know, yeah. to be totally honest. I would think somebody who plays that angle of the spirits, of the ghosts, of the connection, right, the mysticism, would try to do I mean, we see it in every other martial art, right? But jujitsu is so real. It's so hard to fake jujitsu. It's so hard. I mean, look at certain martial arts, you know, they got like the touch of death, you know, the mm-hmm. dim mock, you know, you're going to die, your heart's going to explode. We can't test that because if they do you're gonna die you know what i mean and but you're just so real like if i say hey this arm bar will break your arm and you say no it doesn't we can test it out and get a very accurate result yeah i think that's what appeals to so many people is this almost the scientific method used in jujitsu where you have your hypothesis you test it you test it it works it you know it's legitimate if it doesn't you either throw it away or you keep trying different variations correct yeah so I don't know that he was out. If he did, I don't know that I ever stuck personally. Um, I know that um, I know my grandfather, once Carlos was, pa- Carlos was passing, once Carlos passed, and he passed in 89, I believe, was the year that I was born. When Carlos. It was 94. Was it 94? Yep. Okay. So when Carlos passed, um, I know that um, my grandfather, you know, I was living with my grandfather in 94. Okay, so when 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 Carlos passed, my grandfather stuck to Carlos's diet, which we can talk about next. Um, stuck to his uh, his twelve commandments to jujitsu. He stuck to a lot of the principles of you know where jujitsu sh- should go. His Carlos's vision. Considering my grandfather stuck, you know, by a lot of what Carlos's influences were, it's hard to believe that he would have skipped the mysticism side of things if it had been brought into jujitsu. Right. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hard, I, I find it hard to believe that he ever tried to, to do that. Not saying that it couldn't have happened or he couldn't have tried and just didn't stick, but I don't think it did okay. personally. Well, we've mentioned a couple of times the diet yeah. aspect that when, when did he start getting into that? Was that something I, I never saw any like, States, but it seemed like maybe it would have been around the, I don't know, 40s, 50s. Yeah, I would, I would say 40s, 50s. Um, Carlos had, um, he studied nutrition. Um, don't know how official the study was. He may have been like an autodact, you know, like read his own books, made his own conclusions off of it. Not sure. But between 40s and 50s, um, he... Was a perp that I read somewhere, the, maybe the inspiration purpose was or part of it was trying to get 
the athletes in shape and healthy for competition. Yes. Yeah. So the the main idea was Elio is the champion of the family or was for a time. And then there was other family members. If those guys are supposed to represent this art that they're trying to defend and promote and all that, um, if they're to do that, right, why not have them be healthy? And and you look at my grandfather, who was always sick. Um, you look at my family members, really. If you look at the first generation of Gracies, they were all kind of scrawny dudes, you know. So why not have them be? There's nothing wrong with that, okay? We just want to clarify. <laughs> Being small and scrawny is okay. I actually think that it's more impressive that there were scrawny guys that put it out there. Right. I mean, if you look at my generation of Gracie's, like, so I'm third generation under Ilio's son. This would be the equivalent to um, Carlos's fourth generation. We're all six foot plus, you know, and, and on a natural walking around weight, we're all 200 plus with the exception of a few here and there. We have grown, <laughs> right? you know, and it's not now we're no longer nearly as impressive as the first few generations. You know, not as much of there's not that surprise element where well, you see. Yeah. Is, yeah. But also like if OK, so if you look at like like Hajar is a big, big dude, you know, he like he's like six, five, you know, he's 200 plus pounds. He's fit. He's not, you know, five foot four, 140 pounds. Like if Hajar kicks somebody's ass versus if a five foot four guy kicks somebody's ass. The five foot four guy is going to look way more impressive. People are much more likely to tell their friends about the yes. tiny guy they saw. Absolutely. Right. Someone. So it's way more impressive that they were smaller back then and they were able to be as successful. Um, but yeah, back to the diet. Carlos basically, you know, he said, why can't, why can't they get bigger, healthier, stronger, faster? And for him, the body was a machine and what we fuel it you know, has a direct correlation to its performance, right? So he, his diet was not meant to make you skinny. It was not meant to make you fat. It was not meant to build muscle. It was meant to make you healthy, right? And that's a very distinct definition. Most diets are making you lose weight or put on muscle. This is not it. Mm -hmm. The Gracie diet was meant to make you healthy, make your body or digestive system work as, as as efficiently as possible. What are some traits of the Gracie diet? Um, the biggest one is food combinations. So different kinds of starches, different kinds of proteins, even different kinds of fruits um, will um, be digested at different rates or take a bigger toll on the digestive system. So if you overload yourself with a bunch of different starches, they'll have different digestive time periods. Right, you may under digest, under digest, you know, or, or or not be able to absorb all the nutrients of a certain starch because another one is, you know, blocking it or, or getting in the way. Um, think of like eating a salad and then eating a steak. Right, it's going to be much easier to digest the salad than is the steak. If you eat both of them together, the steak will either take far longer to be digested the normal because you know the enzymes are working on the salad or the salad is going to take far longer to digest because you know the the enzymes in your stomach are digesting the, the protein so he you know he he basically 
you know, experimented on the family. Okay. And he, it's going to sound horrible in America. He might've been arrested. <laughs> um, you know, if a kid got the flu or measles or chicken pox or whatever, he would put all the kids, all the kids in one room Oh my god! <laughs> until they all got sick. And then he would give them all different combinations of food to see who healed fastest. Wow. Yeah. He and, definitely would have had the kids <laughs> taken away here. <laughs> you know, and, and he would do it. And, and he was able to see certain patterns, right? At the end of the day, no specific food is a cure for, let's say, the flu or chicken pox. But he could see that the kids were all equally sick. But if these 10 kids had more energy than the rest... Is it because they were just more energetic or is it because of their diet? Well, next time they got sick, we're not going to give them that diet. We're going to give them a different diet. And if they behave full of energy and, you know, then we know that it's them. And if it's not, then it's the diet. Mm -hmm. And he's probably one of the rare parents who would go, come on, get the flu, get the flu. <laughs> oh, one has the flu. Awesome. Everyone, come here, get in the room. Yeah. I don't know that he, I don't know that he was necessarily that way. I think he just looked at a problem and turned it into an opportunity, mm -hmm. right? My kid's sick. That sucks. Right. But if they're all sick, then there's an opportunity now, right? So, um, and, and, I mean, that still happens today. Okay, like chicken pox, right? I mean, not, chicken pox is not as common anymore, but back in the day, here, even here in America, you guys would have chicken pox parties, right? Get all the kids sick at once. Yeah. That way it's done. Yeah. You know, he essentially did that with just about anything that they got sick on and look to see how fast they could get better, you know. Did the Gracie diet evolve much throughout the years between when he started it and... Somewhat. Um, somewhat because, you know, he was limited to Brazilian culinary. You know, like, yeah, do we have strawberries in Brazil? Absolutely, we have strawberries in Brazil. Not nearly as common as it is here in America. Blueberries, like they don't exist in Brazil. That's a very American fruit. So, how do you deal with that? That's you, have, you have acai. It's basically the same as blueberry. Oh God, shut up! Get out! You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So you know, how, how do you deal with that? It's a new fruit, but Carlos is no longer around to study it. Right? What kind of fruit is it? Does it? You know, what, what food category does it fall under? What combination of foods can go with it? Um, the, you know, so there's, as you, as the world opens itself up and you're exposed to different food items, it's very hard to say that the dietary plan he came up with between the 40s and the 70s would fit the entire world's. Especially you know. with something like a diet, which we see different, Right. Different evidence that comes out all the time where suggested diets are always changing. So, you, yeah, you really in a field like that, you have to modify it with the, the evidence right. that you see. Now, I think that the core concepts have remained the same. Okay. Certain food combinations, the pH of food. So like, like tomatoes, um, the tomatoes are a huge no-no in the Gracie diet because of their high acidity content. And But if you sauteed the tomato, right, then it lowers the pH. So then it's okay to eat sauteed hmm. tomatoes. So, you know, I'm sure there have been plenty of modifications even later in his life. And since his passing, it's been, you know, 19 years, 18 years since he passed. So um, it makes sense. Yeah. 
does the standard Gracie diet involve? I I know it has a lot of fruit because mm-hmm. whenever I think of the Gracie diet, I think of fruit because I've just seen <laughs> I've seen so many videos of Gracies making smoothies, <laughs> making watermelon juice. It's a staple. What what other kind of foods? What what's the standard Gracie diet? Uh, what are meals or things that you well, imagine it, people? It all depends on the combination of that day, right? Yeah. So, growing up, the diet was pretty consistent for us, um, for, at least for my generation. So, growing up with your grandfather, grandfather, you guys are all eating. Yes, crazy yeah, I grew up with it, you know. So the idea was, every morning you'd have a huge, you know, liter of fruit smoothie for breakfast. That's that's your breakfast every day. And then four hours later, because the timing in diet is important too. So four hours later, you know, sometimes maybe a little bit longer, like six hours, you'd have lunch, you know, and lunch would be, you know, some sort of salad based or um, very light protein, chicken, fish, things like that. Never pork. Um, And I think pork is one of those things that was negated in the Gracie family because of its... um, it's taboo origins in Brazil, and we can talk about that in a brief moment. But so, you know, you'd have something like that for lunch, dinner, you'd have some sort of cheese and, and some sort of starches like bread, you know, or um, coffee and things like that. Um, yeah, so I mean, lots of nuts, lots of greens, lots of very colorful diet. You know, I, it's hard to explain. Was there much meat? Obviously, um, you said pork wasn't yeah, something pork was not you'd a, eat. No, but... fish, chicken, yes, beef, sometimes. Um, my grandfather believed that if an animal knows it's going to be killed or it is being killed, the meat is no longer good. You know, he, he would equate to, and again, this could be part of the mysticism, mm-hmm. right, that you talked about earlier. The idea was, think about when you're really scared, right, and you your muscles get all tense and feel weird. That's adrenaline, right? It's your flight or fly, uh, fight or flight response kicking in. And his thought was, if a cow knew that it was going to be killed and that was going through its system and you killed it, the meat was going to have those talk. He would call it a toxin. It would have that toxin in the system and you'd eat that. That's not good for you. So There's um, still a lot of people who believe that because isn't the idea of something like Kobe beef? Yes, where you keep something relaxed, massaged, yes, massage it, right. yeah. So, you know, so like fish, chicken, those are easier to, you know, you know, get you know, get them to your table without scaring them to death. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea with pork um, was one in Brazil. Obviously, the food standards aren't as good as they are in America. So, pork in Brazil, cheap, um, and other things like that. Are commonly have parasites in them so that's already frowned upon and then you know the idea was a pork eats shit all day long and then you're going to turn on and eat that like <laughs> obviously just not good for you right how much truth there is to any of that who knows but that was the belief system that was kind of founded upon okay there's this period where you see the birth or the separation of jujitsu japanese jujitsu and then it changing to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That happens then in the 30s and I think 40s. Right. Your, your grandpa then right. starts to go out and have these public fights, right. starts to garner attention. And then from the 50s to about the 90s is 
Carlos just kind of behind the scenes doing the the big picture stuff. He didn't live on the estate with your grandpa. Was he nearby? What, what, um, what was their relationship during that they time? Were, they were very close. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they were. I think they were like best friends. I think in some ways, Carlos may have even been somewhat of a father figure to my grandfather. There's a huge age gap between them. Um, and again, it might have been, I don't know exactly how many years, 10, 12 years difference, which nowadays is not much. But you got to keep in mind that back in the day, people were getting married and they were 14 or 15. So right. 10 or 12 years is a lifetime, right? So I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know that their relationship was strictly brother to brother. I think it spanned to father and son, to older brother, younger sibling, to uh, you know, mentor to spiritualist, maybe, who knows, you know, maybe he influenced my grandfather the same way he influenced many of other, many other people. Um, and I know that Carlos for the most part of his life after my grandfather took over focused very heavily on the diet side of things, focused on the big picture side of things, focused on making sure that the overall goal he had set in mind you know back in the 20s when he opened his school would be met which was to spread jiu-jitsu to the world um and he indoctrinated that so much into my grandfather that my grandfather's goal was to have an army of gracies that would be bred you know like the idea was you find a partner that's going to benefit the gene pool make the kids should be bigger than you stronger than you faster than you more intelligent than you they should be better trained than you were. They should eat healthier than you did. They should have the better training. And those kids are then going to go on and prove it to the world. And then their kids' kids will do the same thing. So that was like, that was very built into the family, like to, to, to do that. And I think that came from Carlos. Carlos wanted to not just be a blip on martial arts history. I think he wanted, and not for himself, I think he wanted for the family for the family to be one of the most iconic martial arts families in the world. And I think he's been pretty successful at it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think most people have at least an idea. Well, I was gonna say most people know what it is. Most people know the name. A lot of people associate it with karate or whatever, whatever else in the workplace. They, they, whenever you're at work and someone Uh says, Oh, you're still doing karate. Oh God! Damn. Uh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's rough. Cool. And they like do this with their hands or like karate chopping the air. I just say yeah. Yeah. You should just punch them right in the throat as hard <laughs> as you can, yeah. and then walk away. Don't give them any sort of satisfaction. Oh man, how have you had a, the same job for more than <laughs> two weeks? You, you know, I actually don't tell people that I train. They find out. Oh, okay, well it doesn't help because you. Always have a jujitsu <laughs> shirt. I don't actually tell people that I train. My shirt does that. I have like ninety percent of my closet is nothing but jujitsu shirts. <laughs> whether it's old tournament t-shirts, whether it's you know gear that I get from companies, whether it's my own t-shirts. Like t- Taylor, my wife, she hates it. Like she hates it. Here's what your closet is now: ninety whatever percent of jujitsu, and the remaining percent now is Lululemon. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Lululemon. I know. In fact, I just found out 
that my cousin Hiron did an Instagram video a few months ago talking about how he would only buy Lululemon. Oh, Jesus. And and I had no idea that he liked it. He said it's the same, he says the same thing I say. It's the most comfortable clothes, clothing that you could ever have. I'm not sponsored, by the way. But if you are listening to Lululemon, I will take you up on it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I was kind of... No, I definitely don't talk shit about you. Uh, I also would not mind a couple comfortable shirts. Just, Never just worn in them. case. Yeah, yeah, just in case. Yeah, they're very comfortable. Yeah, well... They cost an arm and a leg and your first three born unborn children, but, but they're, they're, they're nice. Before we end, let's see. So he died in 94. Right. Did he have a school or did he just kind of sit back and that wasn't his thing to, to have a school well, that he'd run? I, I don't know that he necessarily had his own school. He may have, I, I don't, I'm not clear on it. I do know that, um, as the Gracie family grew. You know, Carlos had like 21 children, something crazy, 21, 22 I children. I guess 21, yeah. Um, you know, my grandfather had nine of his own, plus he adopted a few. You know, first generation, you have 30, 40 people. It is unrealistic that all those people are going to live together. They're going to train together. They're going to teach at the same school together. It's very un unrealistic that that's going to happen, right? So I think as the family got bigger and bigger, um, branches of the Gracie family started popping up. You started having, you know, let's say, as an example, I'm not saying this is what happened, but let's say like Gracie North and Gracie South and Gracie East and West. And from there, then those would have their own branches and spread out. So I think, um, I think that's roughly around the time where you would see like, Gracie Baja being formed where maybe there were the school was open in the neighborhood of Baja in Rio. And, you know, you had, you know, like, um, later on you had, uh, high on Gracie who opened schools in Sao Paulo, right. And had his schools there. So I think he may not have had his own personal school. I think he saw my grandfather's school as his own school, as the headquarters of the Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Um, but I think his side of the family, much like my grandfather's side of the family, um, they started branching out very quickly. Okay. Well, that's that's a good. You should read the Twelve Commandments before we close it. Oh yeah, I actually because I have think it here. I think everybody should read, and those are things that you can live by and follow. Even, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you're in. You know, I think it doesn't matter your background. Those are just twelve things that I think you can do and just be a better human being yeah yeah i i agree they are non-denominational non uh religious you it's just good advice and i don't think you could really find anything to argue with in these so yeah we'll close it out with the 12 commandments number one be so strong that nothing can disturb the peace of your mind number two talk to all people about happiness health and prosperity number three Give to all your friends the feeling of being valued. Four, look at things by the enlightened point of view and update your optimism on reality. Number five, think that, think only the best, work only for the best, and always expect the best. Number six, be as just and enthusiastic about others' victories as you are with yours. Did you hear that? So when I have this victory where I put my this awesome studio together you should be as happy about it as i am well i am very happy that the studio works and hopefully i sound better you do thank you yeah it's <laughs> it's the all the other episodes we sound like we're shouting into a big gymnasium anyways all right back to the commandments 
<laughs> Number seven, forget about past mistakes and focus your energy on the victories of tomorrow. Number eight, always make those around you happy and keep a smile to all people who talk to you. Number nine, apply the largest amount of your time on self-improvement and no time in criticizing others. Number 10, be big enough so you can feel unsatisfied. Be noble enough so you can feel anger. Be strong enough so you can feel fear. And be happy enough so you can feel frustrations. Number 11, hold a good opinion about yourself and communicate, to the, and communicate that to the world, but not through dissonant words, but through good works. Number 12, believe strongly that the world is, in your, is on your side as long as you stay loyal to the best of yourself. Yeah. Wise words. Yeah, I mean, you can't top that. No, I, I think those are, I think those are better. I'm going to go out and say this. They're better than the original Ten Commandments. Dang. That's right, God. <laughs> you got to, so, you got to revise those. So if next week it's just me here, we know somebody got smited. <laughs> I'll tell you all about it in this small room with mattresses on the wall. Yeah. Well, you're in my will. You get the house if I die. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. That is the end of this episode, and we will see you next week. Thanks again for listening. Really, we do appreciate it. It means a lot to us. If you like the show, please go to iTunes, whatever platform you uh, listen to this podcast on review us subscribe to us and also i didn't want to forget slap and those are some guys who create some really great jujitsu gear they have hoodies sweatshirts a ton of stuff that looks great it's comfortable um so go check them out or don't and just keep wearing the same stupid clothes you're wearing right now all right thanks guys we'll see you next week <laughs>